Welcome to Millennial 721. I'm Andrew. I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela. On today's episode, we're going to catch up on the past couple weeks with a few items on our radars. Then we'll jump into some emails and some confessionals that we've been wanting to get to. Happy Pride to me. Happy Pride. And of course, the brands are on it. I wake up every June 1st and load up Twitter and suddenly it's nothing but rainbows in the profile picture column of Twitter. I know. I don't know what to make of it. (laughs) I don't either. On one hand, I like that the brands outwardly support gays. But on the other hand, it is pandering. And a lot of these people in these corporations, of course, do support anti-LGBTQ causes. I think it's pretty evident when you can tell a brand is on the right side of this issue and they're actually on the right side of this issue. Um, Usually a good way to tell is if they talk about pride in other months, right? Like if they're constantly involved in this dialogue about LGBT rights and representation. Um, that's yes. pretty a pretty good indicator. If the brand is only putting up rainbows from June 1st to June 30th, then that that's your answer. <laughs> like I remember uh, going to New York City Pride a few years ago, and I think it was the first year that a number... Well, it was actually... It was the year that SCOTUS ruled on gay marriage. So that was... I mean, all of these brands came out of the woodworks to be in the Pride Parade. And I remember seeing a Walmart float and I was like, (laughs) are we serious right now? Rolling back savings, but not gay rights. Walmart. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's kind of hard to like, I almost kind of feel like I need to do some digging to see how long some of these brands have been supporting. And it's especially hard because, you know, growing up in and around San Francisco, the whole city kind of turns into a big rainbow uh, at the first of the month in June. So that's just like part of the the fabric of our culture out here. Um, but I but I do think it's like it, it becomes especially evident when you walk into something like Target and every brand has some kind of like rainbow branded thing. Mm-hmm. I will say like uh the the Giants this year uh had the players they they have patches for pride which i think is really nice nice. um and i know there was some pushback on that people saying oh but like you guys are just doing it this year because it's trendy but they've been supporting um lgbtq plus rights for quite a while and publicly for some number of years so something like that is not um i wouldn't think i wouldn't say it's pandering but i know some people might feel like it's pandering um i just think it's important for all sports teams pro sports teams to show uh, especially the youth, that yeah. there are people out there on on a bigger stage that yeah. are on their side. I think there's a big difference, if, even if you've gotten in late on the game, right? Like, no pun intended, but like, if somebody, you know, their views have evolved over time, and they're actually doing the work to promote inclusion within their organization, then great. But if somebody's just being like, oh, we're going to put up a rainbow decal uh, or like turn our Twitter profile yeah. into a rainbow, but then we're literally not going to say or contribute anything else. Yeah. It rings hollow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Changing the profile pick is easy or making a single graphic post like Colgate 
uh, posted uh, a picture of a toothbrush with rainbow toothpaste on it. And they had some caption there. I would rather they lean into it and be like, use our toothpaste to clean the cum out of your mouth. Something like that. <laughs> I'd like appreciate Tushy. that. <laughs> Bidet brand that's yes. on fire this month over on Twitter. Yes, yes. Um, you know what I saw over the weekend? I went to Ikea. They were flying a pride flag. I actually appreciated that because they're they're showing That's their nice. support of gay rights right out front of the store. That could have turned off a lot of people. You know, oh, these people support gay people. I'm not going inside. I was on my way in. Now I'm not. I just thought I just thought that was um not like it's more work, but it's just a more pronounced statement, I think, to fly that flag right in front of your store. It does. It's, yeah, it's so much of a. A bigger statement than just like, say, I was in Michael's over the weekend and they have a pride section and it's like anybody could see, you know, some like rainbow organizer and just assume that it's a rainbow organizer. It doesn't have to go any deeper than that. But when, you know, a company decides I'm going to fly this flag, everybody knows what that flag means. So I can see how that that would make a much bigger statement than yeah, just carrying well, I mean, a bunch of like rainbow themed paraphernalia. Yeah. But let's check in with the brands. What are they saying this month? Hi, gay. Happy Pride Month. We are sashaying away with deals. This month at the Butter Shop, we're running a special deal. If you can prove that you're queer, you get three pints off your fir- your your choice of creamed, chucked, <laughs> or drowned, drowned butter. And if you do mouth stuff, you get four. We love gay, and it's awesome. So come visit. And we also make candles now. Wouldn't a candle be nice for gay stuff? In the bedroom or just hanging out? Yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. Your part wouldn't. Hey, wouldn't your partner want butter from the original old male's maid home? We've been making butter since 1945, and we've been accepting all people since the last four months. So yeah, we're gagging for you to come take a taste of Cecily's Butter Shop at Cecily's Butter Shop. My friend's mom, um, I think is, I think is gay. So we think it's cool. Wow! <laughs> for the last four months, that <laughs> hey, gay. Uh, yeah, I don't even think we, you needed our opinions on this, Andrew. We we literally could have just played that video. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. Good point. Uh, that's Meg Stouter, who also has a supporting role on Hacks, which I recommended a few weeks ago. She plays a, a very funny secretary. I uh, I sent a meme to one of my friends. And, you know, anyone who's familiar with the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man, you remember Willem Dafoe's uh, Green Goblin. He has that iconic line at the beginning of the movie where he's like, well, I'm something of a scientist myself. And they captioned it. All businesses on June 1st. I'm something of a homosexual myself. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So um, just a few weeks ago, I spoke here on the show about Trump's new website. It was basically his own Twitter, but it was just for him. Only he could post. You could like the post. You could share the post. Well, over the time that we've been off, that website has now been taken down by Trump. 
because it was reported in the Washington Post that nobody was reading the website, and Trump was so embarrassed that he decided to just shut it down, which I think is so funny. I think it was literally online for 29 days. It didn't even last a month. He, he couldn't take the heat when it was public or publicly reported that nobody was visiting the site. What a small, small man. And what a horrible leader. This guy was just our president six months ago. And what is he teaching the country? If at first you don't succeed, give up. Like, he didn't even give it a shot. It was a month he tried it for. The clown show continues, and I'm living for it. I know. Well, the difference is when he was super active on social media, there was a lot of the work that was done for him by people who were sharing his content, right? But who, like, when was the last time you went to your browser and went to a blog? Somebody's personal blog. That's just not how we internet anymore. And clearly... Nobody under the age of 40 is advising him on this because if they were, they probably would have told him this isn't going to work or they're just out of touch themselves. But, yeah, he's just showing people, um, you know, try. And if you don't succeed, be a sore loser and just say (laughs) that everyone else cheated. (laughs) Um, But this also just shows you how badly he does need social media to get his message out there. And we did also find out over break that Trump will be banned from Facebook through at least 2023, and they will reevaluate at that time. Uh, And remember, the Twitter ban, and that is his first love, is permanent. So, you know, I maintain I'm not sure he can really mount a successful campaign without his own social media channels because they are so important to his brand. They are, but even assuming we never are cursed with a Trump presidency again, knock on wood. I think Trumpism is here to stay in one form or another. I Mm. don't think you can put Pandora back in the box. I think that we're going to have to work long and hard to overcome this. It's not going away anytime soon. Um, The latest bait that he's thrown to his supporters, and I mean, it's, of course, not a thing. Um, but he's made some vague assertion that he'll be reinstated as president this August. Why um, August? I don't how? know. No idea. Batshit crazy. I mean, it's sad. We're looking at somebody who is mentally ill and people are putting these ideas in his head. The My Pillow guy, I'm sure, is one of these people. Um, and that lawyer who was working with Rudy, I'm forgetting her name. You know what? It's also really funny and August is going to roll around and it's not going to happen. And he's going to be really sad that he didn't wake up one morning. and was magically reinstated. So um, I'm glad he'll be going through a period of mourning again in August. He's just giving his base something to keep them energized. He He's just kicking right. the can down the road continually. He did this back in March. Dangling that carrot. He was saying something about being reinstated. Yeah. And I think that congressional Democrats are potentially setting themselves up for failure during the midterms because they're just allowing the Republican Party to dictate their agenda. You have people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema saying that they won't get on board with Democratic agendas if they can't get bipartisan support. And they also won't kill the filibuster. So 
effectively, congressional Democrats are being put in a stalemate where there's not a whole hell of a lot they're going to be able to accomplish. It feels like Biden keeps trying to meet Republicans halfway when it comes to the cost of the infrastructure bill, and Republicans keep pulling the carpet out a little bit further from under him, and he keeps trying to meet them. I don't understand what it's going to take for Democrats to realize it's not about the money for these fuckers. They're trying to stop you from achieving anything so that at the midterms, they can point to the fact that you didn't achieve anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Stop negotiating with these people. They wouldn't yeah. if if the tables were turned and they had the majority, they wouldn't give two shits about bipartisanship. So neither should you. Really. Amen. Anyway, I'm going to stop yelling fight now. fire with fire. We, we got to <laughs> clap back after the past four years. Really? I mean, this is just like, you know, we've been shown time and time again, the Democrats want to come in and play nice. And it's like, we're beyond that at this point. Mm -hmm. They're just going to keep walking all over us if we don't do something. So anyway, separate line of uh, conversation here. I wanted to ask y'all now that things are starting to open back up um, here in the States, people are able to go out and like dine out or, you know, have other services done. How is everyone tipping now compared to pre-pandemic? You know what? I haven't really thought about it. I think usually I'm on autopilot, but here's the thing. Um, nothing is that opened up here yet until the 15th. So we're still doing mostly takeout um, and I'm still doing 20%. I too have stuck with 20% and maybe for a similar reason as Pam, just kind of in autopilot. But what are you doing, Laura? So I definitely still feel like 20% is a good tip. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like tip shaming hour. I just find myself, especially if I'm going to a sit down establishment and I'm like face to face with the person who's bringing me my food after everything that has gone on over the last year and how hard it's been on members of the service industry. I feel like in those moments, I'm like, oh, my God, 20 percent is not enough. Like this this person needs to pay their bills. And if they've been trying to do this through the whole pandemic, it's probably been really hard. And I think also due to the fact that people are discovering they could go on and train for other things that got them out of the service industry. At least in my area, a lot of stuff is closing early. It's understaffed. Like we literally tried to go to Waffle House and it was closed and it wasn't super late at night. Waffle House for anyone outside of this region of the country is 24-7 typically. Um, so to see something like that closing its doors because it doesn't have the staff to keep it open I think is really reflective of where we're at with regard to the service industry in this country. And I think all of that combined has made me feel really guilty if I do anything less than 30%. Like, I feel like 20% my new minimum, I guess, whereas before it was like 15, maybe. Yeah, but like, it's not your fault. You know, you shouldn't have to pick up the pieces of this country's shittiness when it comes to paying restaurant workers. I know, but I still feel bad. Thirty's too much for me. That's that's really high. But, if it's like no, you have I mean, and yeah, that is high. I think maybe like if I had a place that I frequented regularly and it was a mom and pop, I might tip more. But mm -hmm. for most 
places like I, 20 is still 20 is so much more than most people tip. I don't know about you guys, but I definitely have some friends that are really bad tippers and I get so embarrassed and I will 100% just like circle back around and drop some more money on the table or add more to my own. Oh, that's nice. Tab because it's yeah. just like it's so embarrassing. Yeah. This is an opportunity for restaurants to actually pay people a living wage right? and stop with this bullshit of we're going to pay, you know, what, 20 cents an hour and just give these people, you know, these people will make their salaries from tips. This is so antiquated at this point. It's time to move on from this. And I'm glad people have stepped up and said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. This is bullshit. And that that will force change. If all these employees are suddenly leaving and they find themselves struggling to get some workers, they are going to raise the wages. We've seen some businesses already do this. I mean, even some McDonald's. I think McDonald's corporate. They don't own every single McDonald's. But they the ones that aren't franchised, they said we are going to raise the minimum wage to X amount. I'm forgetting the number off the top of my head. I'm really bullish on the idea that what we've been seeing in recent months is going to force changes to wages. I hope so. And we've gotten some commentary in the Discord. Ashley says, I've only been out three times since being fully vaccinated, tipped above 20% each time. I feel for servers this last year. I know how shitty I felt at work. Chris says, I tip 20 to 25% lowest, depending on the bill. Um, let's see. Shane wants to know if we're well enough vaxxed to go back to Waffle House, to which I said, <laughs> were we ever vaccinated enough to be in Waffle House in the first place? Um Let's see. Katie said, I think I tipped almost 40% last time we ate out in person. So it's definitely a wide range of what people feel comfortable with. But it sounds like at the very least, at least for our community, everyone's agreeing that 20% is sort of like their minimum sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Like if somebody like, you know, shit on my plate and handed it to me obviously i would not tip them but like you have to it has to be really really bad for me not to leave a tip yeah amanda points out too that restaurants in her area are off are offering line cooks up to twenty dollars an hour and fifteen dollars an hour for servers plus tips and they still can't find help so there are other reasons at play besides the pay not being good enough Um, by the way i've never been to a waffle house and it's always been on my bucket list i have so next time i'm in georgia laura and and Pam, that's we can have a millennial outing to a Waffle House. <laughs> Waffle House. There's one really close to my place, so we cannot oh, just literally. We can everybody post up I know there. from the South always talks about Waffle House and Pub Subs. Is it Pub Subs? Pub Subs. Yep. Yeah, Pub Subs are <laughs> legendary. Really, the is entire Publix sub from Publix. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Publix's whole deli is just exquisite and. Uh, I've Exclusive. never been anywhere that has uh, anything that compares. But yeah, I'll say like y'all can come here. We can get some hash browns. You get them scattered, smothered, covered. Um, <laughs> and I've a what now? I'm just, a what? I'm and looking what, what? at Andrew's face. I'm, I'm, no, I'm just reading the Discord as we're talking here. <laughs> but no. So here's a question for you. You were very angry when the gas station was being built across the street what if it was a waffle house being built would you protest no. that no you know what a- a- you, you don't want a waffle house I across would... the street no not at all <laughs> why not because <laughs> i feel like it would be a similar problem to the gas station it's a 24 Uh-oh. hour 
cheap breakfast restaurant. So I feel like it would be a, Yeah, I think you'd have drunk people. I think you'd have people like walking around the air. Like I just I wouldn't want that either. <laughs> <laughs> Recovering from their hangover and then going walking across the street street and peeing on Laura's door just for no reason other than that they're drunk. Wow. All right. Well, noted. So uh, Spotify has a new roundup feature. I know that we tend to talk about the Spotify wrapped that happens every year right before New Year's. It's always really fun to just kind of see how you've been listening. Um, This one is called Only You. And the idea of it is that everybody... Uh, listening habits gets analyzed and then Spotify tells you how you're unique from everybody else that listens to music on its app. So kind of fun. They have some interesting categories like unique artist pair, listening through time, unique genre combination, an audio birth chart, and a dream dinner party that will like aggregate some playlists for you depending on who you pick for your dream dinner party. Did you guys get a chance to check this out? Yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. Did you have any standouts that really kind of spoke to you or you weren't expecting? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The first page says to me, who else but you would play John Fogarty after Doja Cat? And I'm like, I probably didn't purposely play them back to back. I probably just like switched playlists, you know, because yes, I would not play John Fogarty and then Doja Cat back to back in a normal situation. Um, And then it said like, uh, only you would travel fr- from 2019 to 1975 to 2021, which I was like, eh. I don't, this didn't really blow me away. That's my point. And I kind of think that Spotify Wrapped loses its luster a little bit when they do introduce something like this for the rest of the year. The The nice thing about Spotify Wrapped is that it does come only once a year. I'm just afraid they're going to lean into this and it's it's going to be too much of a good thing. Um, I have to say that I like the recommendations for my dinner party um, because it was it was saying things like Leslie Odom Jr., Gorillaz, Outcast, Frank Turner. <laughs> I was like, wow, it's just like really the, the most frequent things I listen to, to be honest. That's kind of what it felt like to me. But I feel like some of my data always gets thrown off with this because, again, Mark and I share a Spotify account. And I don't know why we do because we could just add him to our family plan but we're lazy yeah i would never share with somebody because they have all those daily mixes that are tailored to what you're listening to yeah and i think for me that's why the 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 dinner party thing was a little bit lackluster because i feel like that's just a variation of the of the daily playlists and those kind of break it down by genres that are similar but different um but one thing i did really like is that With this, they also launched Spotify Blend. So with this feature, you can pick a friend that also uses Spotify and then Spotify will aggregate a playlist that's tailor made based on your listening preferences and theirs. And I have not tried this out yet because I feel like I have to pick the right friend to do this with. (laughs) But (laughs) but I also think that that's a really fun idea, especially if you are going to, you know, maybe um, go on a road trip with your bestie and you just want to see see what Spotify puts up for both of you. Um, You could just put both of your profiles into into this feature and it'll give you a mix based on what you've been listening to. So that might be really fun. That is fun. I like how Pam is so guarded with like opening up 
using this feature with somebody else, you know? <laughs> well, because the thing is, is... I'm, I'm really not like, I don't really care if people know what I'm listening to on Spotify, but I, I just feel like if you're going to have Spotify make a playlist for you and you want it to, to kind of fit your vibe, then you have to find somebody that's similar enough, but different. I just sent you a blend invite, Pam. Okay. You can think about if you want to accept this invitation or <laughs> no, not. No, I'll do, I'll do a, a blend, blend invite, invite with you. <laughs> blend I with me, Andrew. Pam. Okay, fine. I'll blend should with you. Should we all geez. blend with each other and then just <laughs> we see should which, all which blend. blend has like the best, uh, you know, music on it? Can you do a three-way blend or not yet? No, <laughs> I, no three I ways wish yet? you could, but maybe what we have to do is just blend like all like all combinations of the three of us and then just like put that all into one big mixtape and then we could like put that on the patreon or something like that for listeners there we go they hey they andrew already we have a andrew you and i have a 62 percent taste match so i think we're off oh, to a good perfect. start perfect all right does it tell you the that link. hold on wait let's see what gotta... it tells us <laughs> andrew do you see what our first Uh-oh. song is <laughs> oh, hold on Oh, no. Are we looking at the same playlist? I think so. Agatha all along. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> goodness. Freaking WandaVision show. Then Crocodile Rock, but not the Elton version, the one from the Rocketman movie. Yeah, I think this is you. You're you're more of a, a fan of Taron than I am. Oh, Got yeah. I, of... mean, I see Bruce in here. I see Queen. I see Creed, my sacrifice. <laughs> Creed. My sacrifice. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is very interesting. Yeah. This is like oh. all me. <laughs> no, I see a bunch of me in here, too. So, Andrew, I have to call out for some reason our blend has Evanescence's Call Me When You're Sober in it. <laughs> that's what i say to and laura every time she calls me when she's drunk that's amazing yeah exactly i mean just every time i call you um but i mean i will say i listened to evanescence as a teenager but that predated spotify so i don't know where this came from <laughs> yes i listened to evanescence for, from time to time mainly just that one song Wake me up right. <laughs> i do I have like a recommendation this one is mostly me, though. I don't know if oh, let me <laughs> there's look. a lot let of you look. in there, but you can look. check it out later. I know. I'm looking now. <laughs> Bruce is number one. How do I send one of these to Pam? All Not time low, that's Pam. Yeah. Agatha All Along is in this one as well. There's a lot of Taylor. Elton might be both of us. I do listen to a lot of Elton. Fucking Creed My Sacrifice is in this one, too. <laughs> that's <laughs> definitely God. you, then. <laughs> some Gaga. That's good. Yeah. Okay, we could we could go on a road trip. There's some good stuff in here. <laughs> we have an Evanescent song going under. We do. This is fun. This is great. Good job, Spotify. How do I send one of these invitations? I'm Spotify illiterate, apparently. So if you go to search at the bottom of the Spotify app, and then you tap Made for You, and then at the top, it says Made for Two, and you can create a blend That's there. That's cute. That is so, cute. I have a recommendation that is related to Spotify and Pride. Spotify has very, very good playlists, and they have a whole Pride category for the month. There are many, many Pride playlists in there this year, including ones that are tailored to specific cities, which I thought was pretty interesting. They may have had that last year. I forget. So check that out. And also, I've been listening to an artist over the weekend that I'm into. Orville Peck. Have you heard of him, Pam? Orville Peck? 
Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Here's how I would describe him. Gay country Roy Orbison. Okay. Okay. That's fun. Great voice. But here's the thing. He's one of these artists who hides behind a mask. What is with this? I don't want to call it a trend because not a ton of artists do it. What's with these artists who just hide their face all the time? You know, Daft Punk, Sia. Oh, it's like, hmm, I need something to make me special. I know I'll cover my face. I don't like this. I don't like when artists do this. It's not an original idea. But maybe they're shy. Like maybe these are people who they're performers, but at the same time, they're really introverted. I get I can see it. Maybe it's like, well, I don't know. Like, how long are they keeping up the gimmick? Because, for example, like the gorillas have never, you know, they're they're just like an and that was a big deal that they were this like big time animated band, you know? Yeah. I mean, you go on Google Images, you search Orville Peck, you don't see his face. It's a mask. Every single photo. Maybe he will reveal himself one day. Maybe he doesn't have a face. I don't like when artists do this. Come up with a different idea to make yourself stand out. That's all. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. All right, before we get to our mailbag, this week's sponsor is one who have been saving my eyes since I received their glasses a month or two ago, Felix Gray. Felix Gray makes blue light filtering glasses. Blue light can make screen time tough on the eyes and disruptive to sleep. And Felix Gray's glasses filter 15 times more blue light than the other glasses out there. I am so glad they're sponsoring us right now because recently there was a study that revealed that any blue light filtering that you get through a setting on your computer or on your phone doesn't actually help. It doesn't work. Your screen is still emitting that blue light and it's still hitting your eyes. Those on-device features just throw some yellow over top your screen and it doesn't do anything. These glasses, on the other hand, put a barrier between your screen and the eyes to truly filter the blue light out. I very quickly noticed an improvement, and now I can't imagine working without the glasses on a daily basis. You can wear these when you're not working, too. Not only do they look great, but they also work with LED light bulbs, Kindles, TVs, and phones. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who's working from home like so many of us are, and then oftentimes finishing the workday and jumping right on to podcast, it's been a lifesaver to have these because I'm staring at a screen for nine hours a day. Yeah, same here. And then I also use them even when I'm not working. So like if I'm streaming something before bed, it's just really nice to know that, you know, there's a barrier there protecting my eyes. And I know that like too much blue light has also uh, been proven to mess your sleep cycle up. So it's just really helpful to have it for those instances as well. Yeah, They are available with and without prescriptions, and they come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I have the Volta Blacks. These are glasses that I truly enjoy wearing. I just love how they look on me, too, so I'm kind of addicted to wearing them. Get yourself a pair of glasses made for the 21st century and designed for modern, hardworking eyes. You have nothing to lose except maybe some eye strain. So go to felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L for the best blue light glasses on the market. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash M-I-L-L. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, felixgrayglasses.com slash M-I-L-L. All right, time for some emails. So we've been collecting a bunch of emails for a while now, and we thought for our first episode back, let's get to these. This first one is from Becky. I had one specific topic in particular that I was wondering if you might address at some point on the show, and that's the issue of news sources and paywalls. 
you all mentioned you pay for a few sources. I do as well. But there are a lot of issues and questions about paywalls and information literacy. So I was curious to hear your thoughts, both from a general public perspective and especially from Pam as a journalist perspective. Many people are very much along the lines of, if you want good news, you should pay for it. But as a public librarian, I see other sites too. I see the people who literally cannot afford the extra $5 a month, or the people who do not understand why they should pay for something that seems to be free, that seems to be free on a number of other websites. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say that um, I love that Becky pointed out that you know, she's a public librarian and that she sees people that can't afford this. I know that when we've talked about this before, I've specifically recommended, you know, going to your public library and using those resources because you can get access to a lot of things that are behind a paywall for free. Like I know my library does um, like you can uh, check out the New York Times uh, without any uh, limit to article access and stuff like that. So I, even though I am in this industry, I'm fully supportive of doing that if you can't afford it. Um, I think it's less about if you want good news, you should pay for it. And more like if you can't afford to do it, you should um, help fund news sources that are doing good reporting, whether that is a larger news source like Washington Post or the New York Times, or even just like a local publication. I think local publications specifically are super important to support whenever you can. But obviously, you know, um, if you can't afford to do that, I think that that is perfectly reasonable. Um, the one place I get, I think where this gets a little bit convoluted is when um, news gets put behind a paywall in a um, in a, in a time when it's very important for the general public to have access to news. So it it was nice to see that you know some publications like the LA Times were not putting any of their COVID coverage, for example, behind a paywall. So overall, mm-hmm. I like that a lot of these sources are are making good decisions in terms of that and understanding when um, the paywall just does not make sense and gets in the way of of the whole idea of what news and journalism is supposed to be, which is access to information for everyone. Yeah. Have you, have either of you ever seen, and I feel like I've seen it a couple of places, maybe in the past, not super recently, but like where you could go somewhere that had content behind a paywall and it would be like, hey, do you want to tip us? Like rather than forcing somebody into a recurring monthly subscription, giving people the option to tip the service a dollar or whatever. Um, but not making it a requirement. I feel like something like that could be helpful because I know, you know, I have paid subscriptions to a few sources, but I'm not going to pay for all of them. And sometimes one might have an article that I really want to read, but I don't want to get signed up for a recurring subscription. I'd be happy to tip them one or two dollars to read an article. Do you think that would work? I think so. I've seen some publishers try to do this. It's just a matter of if the consumers are going to be into it or not. I like it because there's no commitment there. You read mm-hmm. an article, you love it. You know, maybe you spent like 10, mi- 10 minutes reading a deep dive. You tip them a buck at the end of it. As long as it's easy to do, too. That's the other thing. They have to make it dead easy to tip. So it would probably be like a one-time setup, and then you press a tip button. We, we've heard, and I think we spoke about, that Twitter's going to be introducing a tip jar. Maybe it could be something like that. In terms of the other questions here and the points that you bring up, I completely understand why some people don't want to commit to paying X yeah. amount a month for a publication. I only pay for New York Times and Washington Post because through Amazon Prime, you get Washington Post for $3.99 a month, I think, whereas New York Times is $9.99-ish. 
And mm-hmm. so I wouldn't want to pay $20 a month for news sources, especially those sources that are that big because they don't necessarily need my help as badly as as badly does a local paper like Pam mentioned. I'm not currently doing that. I was doing that in Chicago. I might get back to that here at some point, but I agree about supporting local because they are the feet on the ground in your area. When big news happens in your area, it's not New York Times and these these others who are getting there uh, first. It's these little guys and and they are very well connected. And you can still one time support them by uh, buying a physical copy of the paper. Yep. So there you go. <laughs> Such a good point. And it's nice to read a newspaper. I actually it's like really holding nice. a physical newspaper. I yeah, feel so smart I'll, when I'm doing that. I mean, not right now, but hopefully soon when things really start opening back up. I, I Sometimes I would do that at coffee shops, just like buy, you know, physical copy of the paper and, and sit and read that. It's really nice. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, if you can't afford to pay it, pay for a a news source, I totally get that. And the thing is, all this news, unfortunately, does get regurgitated a million different ways on a million different websites. So thankfully, these people who can't afford it uh, can get the news elsewhere. I'll tell you who I will never pay for a paywall for any of these entertainment sites like Vulture, New Yorker, all of their articles. That's just entertainment news i don't need that so i don't need to pay for it i need to know what's happening in the world agreed it'll be interesting to see long term if some of these entertainment sites like vulture can survive on these paywall models all right our next email comes from stephanie um i think this was from around the time we were talking about disney preparing to reopen um so stephanie says my husband works for disney world and without it being open we'd literally be homeless Florida unemployment was only for 12 weeks, and even with the bump, we weren't making but a fraction of his paycheck. This goes for almost all of my friends. Not a single one of them, and a lot are on the front line and work with guests 40 hours a week, have caught COVID from the parks. They have done independent studies of respiratory particles and how they flow out of different types of masks and used fluid dynamics to show how air conditioning and other airflow will affect the likelihood of two people wearing a mask, even loosely, and how they can interact in a space. They use this data to analyze every ride vehicle on property as well as common spaces like buses to make sure they're keeping cast and guests safe. They train everyone on best practices with global and site-specific protocols. They have not taken this lightly at all. I understand why you think it's putting the workers in danger, but Central Florida depends on tourism. So many businesses thrive on tourists, not just the theme parks. This includes hotels, restaurants, shops, and vendors, and contractors um, to the area attractions. That's great. I'm glad to see that it's gone so well for Disney World. And um, yeah, we were talking about this a few months ago and I was like, I I think I was saying Disney World has done a pretty good job. All theme parks have the major ones, at least. So thank you for sharing those details. Agreed. I think that I was I was a little hesitant about it, mainly because I was concerned about one, like the health of the employees. Uh, But then two, also just how do you enforce these guidelines with so many different guests from so many different places? Unfortunately, Stephanie's right. This is a problem that isn't going to be addressed by keeping the parks closed, because if you keep the parks closed, that throws a lot of people into poverty and potentially homelessness. It's unfortunate that our government was not able to step up to the fullest extent to make sure that people were taken care of 
But that's a theme (laughs) across a number of industries, not just the tourism industry. Okay, this next one is from Tremaine. (laughs) It's quite short, too. I would like to have a discussion on the future of cremation. I just love this because that's it. That's that was that was the whole body of the email. I didn't. That's the tweet. That, I didn't cut. You know, sometimes we get longer emails, and I have to, you know, edit it down. Like, kind of try to like combine some run-on sentences here and there. This email, this is all it was. I would, I would like to have a discussion on the future of cremation, and I'm morbid, so I thought it was funny, and I figured we could, you know, talk about our thoughts on cremation. Have there been some advancements? I I think the big criticism of cremation is that it's bad for the environment. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, here's, but the thing is, is like we're running out of space. Yeah. To bury people. So you got to do something. Um, I'm pro cremation. I would prefer to be cremated. Same. Don't put me in a, like, for real. No, do not bury me, please. Yeah, don't bury me in a box. I'm serious. Burn me and free me. Like, turn me loose somewhere. I do not want to be (laughs) confined to a receptacle. That is not my jam. Same, same, Laura. Same. This is, I'm I'm bummed that I'm hearing this because earlier I was thinking to myself that when you two pass, I'll bury you each with an iPod playing our blend playlist from spotify you can oh, put it a in beautiful the urn tribute. if you know you can put it in the urn and then like drop the urn somewhere and then it'll just play us out <laughs> okay uh so i did google this a little bit to to understand what tremaine was talking about there are water cremation methods now and i think those oh. are better for the environment yeah water and there's cremation? also yeah and there's what, also do they it, you, blast you like with super high <laughs> velocity jets of water. Yeah. What are right. they doing? No, no. It, there's there's something else involved. We won't get into it for time. But um, there's also ways to use your ashes to plant a tree safely. It's like it's part soil, part ashes. I'd be down I with would that. like to be. Yeah, that sounds nice. I would like to be a redwood if you guys want to organize that. <laughs> If I go first, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I know there's like these, uh, there's also these tree pods you can do where, I mean, you wouldn't be cremated. Your body would just be like placed in this like eco friendly, like burlap sack. And you're in there with like a tree seed, I guess, and eventually it grows and yeah. you supply that sounds beautiful. The, the nutrients to do so. I still don't like that though, because I don't want to be buried and I don't want to be confined. Okay. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter because I'm going to be dead. So, who, <laughs> right. I mean, like, who if cares? we scatter your ashes in the ocean, you're still going to be confined. But I guess uh, the ideal is that you could you could just roam free. I can float free. I love the ocean mm-hmm. too, so I'd be That's fine with nice. that. Um, so a couple of people, Andrew, are pointing out in the Discord. I think Justin most recently. <laughs> How are Laura, Laura, and Pam dead, and Andrew is still alive? Why do you assume that we're going to die before you? That's actually a good question because isn't Andrew the one that thinks that he's only going to live to be a certain age? Yeah. And last week I was having some anxiety all week because I really thought I had a health issue and was and was going to die. So um, oh, no. anxiety is probably going to kill me. Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I think that maybe anxiety is going to kill me, too, because uh, I mean, day, honestly, I, another I gray hair sometimes. and I'm pretty sure it's because of the anxiety. OK, so before we get to a few confessionals, it's time to confess one of my favorite plugins for my web browser 
It's Honey, another one of this week's sponsors. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. We all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field at checkout, but where do you find some good promo codes? Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. They support over 30,000 stores online and it could not be easier to use. You just install the free plugin and forget it. Then when you get to a checkout page, Honey will spring to life and pop in the promo code that gets you the biggest savings. It doesn't just find the codes, it finds the best one for you. It's perfect. Most recently, I was looking for a new case for my phone, and when I was on the checkout page, Honey came to life and gave me a promo code, saving me a few dollars that I wouldn't have otherwise. Honey has found its over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings, and now it is your turn. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the podcast. I would never recommend something I don't use. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. That's joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. All right, time for some confessionals. This first one reads... I just got an offer from a job I didn't even apply to, making 13000 more than what I'm making now. But here's the catch. It's a huge step backwards on what I'm doing now. The benefits are not as great. A lot less vacation time, and I love to travel. A contract position versus the permanent position I have now with great benefits, and vacation. I love the job I'm at now, but I don't feel like they appreciate me, and I'm not paid what I deserve. I've talked with my parents, and they agree I should stay. I've talked to my supervisor and they are trying to give me some kind of raise. I'm in the middle of building a house and the extra money would be great, but I don't know if moving backwards in my career would be smart. But hearing what other people are making and knowing I'm busting my ass off and doing more and better work than them hurts. I understand money isn't everything and I shouldn't compare myself to other people and I'm really leaning towards staying where I am, but I can't stop feeling like I'm making a bad decision turning down this job making 13000 more. Does feeling that way make me a bad person? I don't think you're a bad person either way on this. I mean, you're really talking about the balance between happiness and money. I mean, that really seems like those are like the fundamental values at play here. And yeah, it would be really hard to turn down that kind of raise. I mean, that's... That's a pretty big one and not something that happens all the time. Like maybe that happens to you a couple times over the course of your career. At the same time, though, your happiness and your time are worth something. And I would say they're, you know, at least equally important, if not a little more. Also, the the benefits situation as well. I feel like we've talked about this before on the show, how there are some deal breakers for us in terms of, um, of jobs or opportunities. And, and I know that like Laura was saying, happiness was a big one for all three of us, but also just like certain benefits are super important and you don't even realize how important they are until you don't have them or don't have access to them at all. So, you know, um, totally get why it feels wrong to turn something down with, uh, you know, that, that has a larger paycheck attached, but like, honestly, more money up front on paper doesn't always work out the way that you think it will. Yeah. And I think that 
And and again, there's no right or wrong answer to this. It's what you can live with. I can say that myself personally, I would be very dubious about moving from a full-time position to a contracted position just because at any point the employer can choose just not to renew a contract with very little notice. So I would probably say that I would plan on staying in my current job if it were me. Um, And it kind of sounds like that may be where you're leaning. But we would love to hear an update on this if you've decided um, or if you've, you know, gone ahead and made this move. We'd love to hear an update. One other thing I want to note, and I think this is key, it's right at the beginning of the confessional. They said, I got a job offer I didn't even apply to. Yeah. Maybe you weren't even looking. You weren't even looking. But this is also good news if you do want to go and actually look. It means you are a desirable candidate. So once you go and apply, maybe you'll get other offers that are way better. And then it'll be no question of whether you should uh, switch jobs or not. All right. This next confessional reads, my sister lost a track scholarship last year that she's been working towards her whole life. She was the fastest on her cross-country team, uh, uh, five to seven seconds ahead of the others on her team, until a trans woman joined the team early that year. They were lower on the male cross-country team, but beat my sister on the women's team by a significant by a significant margin. Um, one event was a margin of 30 seconds. It doubly hurt because she is a trans ally, but this whole experience has had her start to have strong negative and some turfy feelings, which upset her even more and created even more self-judgment because she's the kindest, most accepting person on the planet. Now she's in college, but doesn't see the point in competing if she's going to potentially be competing against trans women and the experience has affected her love of the sport. I can't post or discuss this with anyone because people are quick to misunderstand and label me as a bigot. Am I a bigot? I question myself so hard right now. I'm terrified of being pushed towards being one. Wow, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, I will say... I would never claim to have all the answers on this because I think that it's still an evolving landscape and there are people who are much smarter than us and much more qualified to answer this kind of thing. But something I would point out is that there was a time not so long ago when <laughs> when uh, white Athletes were questioning the inclusion of athletes of color, particularly black athletes, um, because they were making similar claims that black athletes had a natural advantage over the others. And it even bridged into the territory of saying, like, well, maybe black athletes should have separate sports leagues, which is obviously segregation, not constitutional. Um, I don't know if you're in the U.S., Um, But I think that it really helps in these scenarios to think about the history of these kinds of trends happening, because I think you'll find that over time um, there are things, you know, there are norms in sports practice now that people don't think twice about usually that were heavily challenged 
over the course of the last century because people were, you know, there was a level of ignorance, I would suppose. So I would just say if you're if you're an ally, it would be really good to speak to somebody who is qualified on these issues um, because I don't think it's as simple as like a trans woman joined my sister's team and now my sister is, you know, effectively being discriminated against or something like that. I think it's a lot more of a complicated issue. And I find myself wishing that I had a recommendation for what to say to your sister Um, because I too would be extremely disturbed if my sibling was exhibiting, um, and, you know, transphobic rhetoric. I get, I don't know if this is going to be helpful or easy, but being suddenly beat by somebody in a sports league is just life in sports. Yeah. Like, can you just try to look at it that way? Like, I've been watching the Queen's Gambit this weekend. You know, all these people, they thought they're pro chess players, the best of the best. Then uh, this woman comes in, and I'm not bringing this up just because she's a woman, but she comes in and she completely crushes them. My point is, it just happens in competitive sports or other types of I know. That, that's what I was kind of going to say, but I was I felt kind of nervous to say it, which is that I think that you I feel like that's you and the your safest sister, answer here. Yeah, just need to stop <laughs> focusing yeah. on the fact that it's a trans woman and just think of it as like it was just a woman, you know, um, because I think when you put trans in front of it, it just especially if you're stewing on this, I think it automatically creates a situation that could breed some sort of animosity whether you were wanting that to happen or not and uh and trans women are women so yeah i don't know if that will help you and your sister or just specifically your sister kind of come to terms with this but you know like andrew says if it wasn't this particular teammate that transferred over to your sister's team it could have been anybody in the collegiate level and that's not yeah. to say your sister's not extremely talented or like really right. good at the sport. It's just it, it's a factor of life. Not everybody can be the best, especially when you're competing for titles. Well, and this is something that I've thought about lately because it seems like this is also the viewpoint that a lot of conservatives in this country are trying to push. Um, they're particularly obsessed with girls sports. Um And it's gotten to the point where I'm wondering, and, you know, I'm not an athlete, nor am I an expert in this field, but how relevant are gendered sports anymore? Because unless you're going to get every person on a team and test their hormone levels and uh, test their chromosomes to find out exactly what they have, you have no way of guaranteeing that everybody's evenly matched anyway. And so I find myself wondering, like, should sports be based on, like, weight classes, for example, as opposed to being like, well, we think you look like a boy or we think you look like a girl. So these are your like, this is your assigned team. Even for gendered sports, though, like, for example, I I have a cousin who played um, football for many, many years, Pee Wee and then Pop Warner and then high school. And he was really good in high school. But they told him right away, you don't have the build to make it at the university level. 
And that has nothing to do with gender. It's just biological, right? I don't know if that really helps. Maybe biological is not the right way to go at this conversation if your sister's already um, exhibiting um, some unsavory opinions. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is just that like everybody is built different regardless of their orientation or how they identify. Yeah. And Catherine in the discord is raising is raising a really good point um, that, you know, non-binary people exist, too. Um, So if we're forcing a gender binary in sports, then where do non-binary people fall? Good point. You know, there's just, it's just, I feel like we're at a point where our culture is evolving and there's still a lot that we don't understand and there's still a lot that we're grappling with. And to me, my approach is to try and be human first. And and I'm not like saying that in, in like a weird, like, I don't see color type way. I mean it in terms of like your approach should be human first. It should be humanity is the most important factor that's at play. And treating people with humanity comes above somebody being upset that they didn't win right. in an athletic uh, competition. And that's not to downplay how hard your sister worked because this email was pretty lengthy and it went into a lot of the work that their sister had done um, Mm. in order to be able to reach this sort of like pinnacle in her athletic career. She definitely worked really hard. But I think when we start, like if you're given, you know, values and you're told to rank them, I have a feeling that humanity comes above athletics Yeah. Well said. And here's something everybody can agree on from Justin. Maybe we should make college less expensive so you don't need a sports scholarship. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good, too. All right, Pam, what's our next one? This is a lighter one, I think. Yeah, this one says, confession time. I am a Mexican-American man who had music and rhythm instilled in me from birth. That's the story, and I'm sticking to it. I only need to look at my parents dancing together to know this is a skill I inherited. IDK Pam feels the same way since she's also Mexican-American, but I'm mainly curious to know with the white crew. Sorry for the short name, Lauren Andrew. Thanks. Dancing feels so universal to me, but I always find that white people have a hard time with dancing. Do you guys have any insight? Realize that if you're scared, I just wanted to see you move. (laughs) I am a bad (laughs) dancer. (laughs) I wish I was good. Some people, some white people are good at dancing for sure. I've, I've seen some very talented white people. Um, but then I go and see backup dancers, you know, Beyonce's backup dancers. And obviously these people are the best of the best, but Beyonce's and Gaga's, et cetera. They're all so good. And it makes me want to dance. I've had these thoughts before. Like I should start taking dance lessons or something because you I want to be good Why when not? that beat drops. I was going to say, where could I do that? I'm in an entertainment capital of the world. I think I yeah. could find a place. You could also dump yeah, sugar YouTube tutorials that will teach you how to dance. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I don't think that you have to be a good dancer to dance. Like, I personally oh, no. like, I like dancing. Um, I don't consider myself particularly gifted at all. Um, but I still enjoy it if I'm feeling, you know, if I'm feeling a beat, I will move you know, I can't guarantee that it won't somewhat resemble white girl dancing. I know that that's been a topic on TikTok recently. <laughs> that's that's so funny. And I, I look at some of it and I'm I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. 
It's just, it obviously feels good to dance. Andrew, I think there's a picture of you and I dancing at a Yule Ball at a Harry Potter convention. Um, so we'll have to dig yeah. that up. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Photo evidence that we have danced at one point in our lives. Oh, I, I dance at dances. I dance at the club. I just want to dance <laughs> like a pro. Yeah. I had a friend who would always say the club. You want to have like a dance routine that you whip out at, like during a very specific bridge. I just want like to dance interlude. and feel like I'm good enough to be behind Beyonce. That's all. I just want okay. to be at that level. Well, start you training know? now because <laughs> that's going to not because you're bad, but because like those people are at the, the peak of their prime. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shane is suggesting that I join Thunder Down Under on the strip. That's an Aus- Australian show with uh, all jacked shirtless guys dancing. Great. Laura and I will come to your first performance if you want to there do we that. Go. I'll be in the front row cheering Right in the on. front row. Nothing but bachelorette parties, I'm sure, and women who <laughs> went to see Fifty Shades of Grey opening night. All right, next confessional. Sending in this confessional to get it out. My parents have sold my childhood home and have been very wonderful about keeping me in the loop during the process, yet it seems to be overwhelming me with emotions. I have slash had no plans to move back there. I can't seem to not be a bit sad about it. Any tips to try to move on from feeling emotional every time I think about how it won't be there for me anymore? It's interesting. My parents moved out of my childhood home two, three years ago now. I expected to feel sad. I didn't feel anything. I moved out in 2008, of course, so that's probably a factor. And I'm somebody who tries, tries to look forward instead of back. My brother, on the other hand, did not even visit. And he was still living at home at at the time that they uh, moved. He did not visit the new home until it was moving day. He was so sad about leaving the childhood home. I get it. I get it. We all just handled this differently. Maybe confessional writer, if it's not too late, take yourself on a walking tour with your phone. Just film the whole house. Make sure you have lots of pictures from inside the house. I think it's one of those things that once you rip the Band-Aid off, you're going to start feeling better immediately. It's like, let's say your family comes and visits you. You're dreading the goodbye. The goodbye happens. It's sad, but you quickly start feeling better, hopefully. That's how I feel, at least. I, I hate the goodbyes, but then after that hump, I feel a lot better. Hopefully, that's how you'll be with, with the house. But just collect as many memories as possible. Take your own video. Yeah, yeah my, my mom moved out of our childhood home when I wasn't there. Um, it all happened when I was living in L.A., um, and I wasn't able to come back and um, and pack anything up that I had like left behind, which was kind of weird. I think that that honestly really helps with the closure process. So if that's something that helps you and you're able to go back and like pack things up or see certain things that you already had packed up, go into the moving van um, or even just like stuff that your parents have out in like communal spaces, help pack that up. I think that that could be really helpful. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, what you really have to remember is that a lot of times the places that you used to live hold a nostalgia factor, but it's it's really mostly steeped in nostalgia. It's not necessarily that those places feel the same. Like they do, but they don't. It's really weird. I'll go back to my hometown and it's so different than what I what it was like growing up. Um so like the feeling is still there, but 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 it, it is really just kind of, you know, like the people that make the place and 
And so if you think about it that way, then wherever your parents move is is still going to feel like home. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, our last confessional today says, I, male, came out to my best friend, also male, as bi while we were both drunk. It took about four years and alcohol to get me to come out. And I think I regret it. I think I ruined our friendship. He told me to try and get a girlfriend and that I'm only considering men because I'm lonely. I told him I've known I was bi since before puberty. I've never pursued any male-on-male relationships in the past, but the attraction has always been there. But I don't know if regret is normal after coming out to the people closest to you. Oh, I'm so sorry that you had that experience. It's really shitty. I hate to say this. I really do. But this is not a good friend. Yeah. No, drop that person, honestly. But it's his best friend. That's why I'm like, oh, God, that's really hard. I hate to, like, help your friend out here. But maybe your friend just needs time to process it. I have to think he's going to get better. Is he homophobic? Because that, like, I, that's the only thing I can think of. Just in general, too, though, that's such erasure of like bisexuality to say, mm-hmm. oh, you only um, are appreciating another gender because you're lonely or you can't get a date. That's really messed up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's it's such a I, I've noticed that topic come up quite a bit recently, Pam, you know, with by people who find themselves in quote unquote, straight relationships feeling like, am I allowed to claim um, LGBT culture? Like, am I allowed to be out and proud with pride or is this space not for me? And Mm -hmm. it's really unfortunate that your friend did something to, quite frankly, marginalize you in that way. Assuming positive intent, they probably didn't mean for it to come out the way it did but the impact is still what it is um we would again on this one i would love to hear an update you know whether you decided to not pursue this friendship further whether you made headway on developing your friendship further and hopefully helping this person see the light but definitely wish you the best and and also, I want to say you're brave. Yeah. Also, that's a thing, too, because like we don't know where you live. Like if you're living somewhere that is not very friendly to LGBT people, then this was probably a big moment for you. I would also say maybe if you if you are really interested in, in trying to help your friend do the work and understand why what they said was hurtful, which is like totally valid if you want to do that, um, try and see if you can find some good um, reading material or maybe even like some kind of like video that they could watch so they can understand why that rhetoric is super toxic. Um, I know that that has helped me a lot in terms of explaining um, anxiety to certain people in my life. And so if you can find, you know, some some form of even like some form of media that might be helpful for them to yeah. to watch to to kind of understand the process a little bit more of what you're going through. Um, hopefully yeah. that helps them come around because it really sucks when you when you have to lose a relationship that's super important to you. But at the same time, you know, if this person doesn't want to accept you for who you are, like see you for this this other side of you, then they're really not worth having around in your life. 
as shitty as that sounds. And by the way, if you need somebody to talk to about this who also likes guys, you can reach out to me, sims89 at gmail.com. Hit me up. I just feel bad. You know, I know when you come out, you you need people to talk to. So, but please, nobody else bother me. Just this person who wrote it. (laughs) No, but I am serious about that offer. And anybody. I I like helping people. Yeah. Happy Pride. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got some recommendations hot off the press for y'all. But first, I'd like to share a quick word from our final sponsor this week, Third Love. It's nice to treat yourself once in a while, and what better way than investing in a brand new bra from Third Love? I've been wearing their bras for a couple of years now, and I swear by the fit. Third Love knows the science behind top-to-bottom comfort without sacrificing style, from perfectly fitted bras and underwear to quality sleepwear. Like many, I wasn't actually aware of how a bra should fit until I tried Third Love for the first time. A good bra should be barely there, but with enough support so you know it's literally got your back. I remember how tempting it was to buy cheap bras that maybe didn't fit as well, but looked cute. I'm a fan of Third Love's 24-7 perfect coverage bra, but there are lots of styles to choose from. Need to find out your perfect fit? Look no further than Third Love's Fitting Room Quiz. It's a quick and easy quiz to help discover your perfect fit while taking into account size, shape, current fit issues, and your personal style. No more awkward in-person fitting room experiences? Sounds like a win to me. You deserve some TLC. That's Third Love Comfort. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial now to get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash millennial for 20% off today. Okay, it's time for recommendations. I already offered mine. It is the Pride playlist on Spotify and Orville Peck, who is insisting on hiding his face. Laura, what's yours? Don't think poorly of me, y'all. I know I've had a lot of alcohol recommendations lately, uh, and I have another one. So I've recently started getting into Mezcal, and I'm surprised at how much I like it. I think it's because I'd only ever had it in mixed drinks before, and it just always hit me like kind of strong, kind of a little too smoky. But Mark actually took me to a Mezcal bar last week after we had a stressful day dealing with condo shit and I was like I had had it up to here and he was like do you want to go drink and I was like yes please so we went to a mezcal bar and we had a flight of mezcal so like they they brought out a tray of shots for us to try and I actually really liked it um if you get something that's like medium to high quality and you know how to cleanse your palate uh, properly when you're drinking mezcal. It's really delightful. So I would recommend trying it if you're looking for something new. Cool. And I wanted to recommend Supergoop's Defense Refresh Setting Mist. It has SPF 50, so um, it'll be helpful when you're all out living your best hot girl summer lives. Um, it smells really nice, keeps your makeup in place if that's important to you. But even if it's not, it's just a nice little thing to toss in your bag or your backpack when you're venturing out into the summer heat. This isn't by Gwyneth Paltrow, is it? No, it's not. No relation to Gwyneth's goop. (laughs) Okay, just checking. I don't know. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. A couple closing reminders here. Make sure you are following the show for free on your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. 
You can contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com or by using the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And finally, follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Coming up in After Dark today, I know Laura will be offering a update on her condo. She is still not in it even a year after... Uh, having to leave the condo. Pam also has a couple of questions for us, including what are some untold, (laughs) as she adds a note being like, we can cut these for time. No, we can still do them. What are some untold office rules? What's your funniest experience with a drunk person? And what's one cooking hack or tip that you discovered and you now use all the time? So we will discuss these things and more at patreon.com slash millennial today. Thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. It's the reason why we're here. It's the reason why we do this podcast. You get access to our live streams. You get access to Hashing It Out, which is our pre-show. And you also get access to our Discord, which has been on fire tonight. We love all of our listeners. We love everybody who hangs out in the Discord as well. It adds so much to the recording experience. We have so much fun hanging out with everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode. I'm Andrew. I'm Maura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. Bye.